Well, good morning, church family. Are you excited to be in church today? Come on. So glad that you're here for this 4th of July weekend. And can we welcome everyone joining us online and our Hokesson family? Come on, put your hands together. We love you. Glad you're joining us online. Hokesson. I was at Hokesson a couple weeks ago, and I just had such a great time. It's really, God's doing some incredible things at our Hokesson location. So if, let me just encourage you, if you live in that area, go check it out. You may be really impressed and find a home there, too, and make some room here at the Journey uh, broadcast location. Uh, but God's doing some great things there. Well, I'm excited. I get to close out our series, Starter Kit. It has been a great series so far. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dave Jackson. I'm one of the pastors here at The Journey. And uh, it's been a great series. How many of you agree it's been a great series so far, this Starter Kit series? Yeah. Pastor Mark and Pastor Abby, they have been bringing some amazing messages, some real practical tools to help us build our faith. So if you miss any of those weeks, maybe you were at the beach, no judgment. But go back and watch those messages. I know that they'll impact your life. We've been exploring this book of James and these very practical things that can help us and give us the tools that we need to build our faith. Because we know life is going to throw things our way, right? And we want to have the tools that we need to be able to face the things that come at us in life. You, you ever been uh, on a project, maybe at your house or maybe, maybe uh, on your car and you get down to it, you get into it, you got, you're like halfway there and you realize you don't have a tool that you need? You ever been there? Like, I know for me, I, I like to work on my cars, I work on my house, and there are these moments that I have when I get in the middle of a project and I realize, man, I just don't have what I need. So I, I open up the toolbox and I'm, I'm looking for a tool. I'm like, certainly there's something in here that could work. And I find pink pliers. I don't have any pink pliers, just to be clear. I don't know how this got in here. We get frustrated because we don't have the tools that we need to build our faith. We don't have the tools that we need in the moments that life throws at us. And I have a love-hate relationship with these kind of moments when I'm on a project because, man, it slows me down. I have to stop what I'm doing. Usually I have to go somewhere. That's the part that I hate. That's the part that frustrates me. And then I have the love part because I get to buy a new tool. And I like new tools. But we have these moments, I think, in life that are just, just like that, really, where something comes our way, something hits us that we're not expecting. No matter whether we, we call ourselves a Christian or not, no matter what we believe about the Bible or Jesus, we have these moments where life throws things our way and we don't quite know what to do. And we think to ourselves, man, if I, if I just try a little bit harder, if I just work a little bit harder, maybe I can figure out this situation or the, this circumstance that I'm walking to, walking through. And then, then by default, we end up, we pull out fear, we, we pull out anxiety, we pull out uh, anger and frustration. It's almost by default because we're frustrated in that moment because we don't have the tools that we need to do what we need to do when life's situations come our way. We're missing the right tool for the challenge in front of us. When the last chapter of the book of James, uh, James wants to offer us a tool that I know can help each and every 
one of us. No matter what you're facing in life, no matter what you're walking through, it's a tool that we all need, and we all need it every single day. And I can tell you, when you hear what the tool is, many of you, many of you will think to yourself, man, I've heard this before. But my hope is that as we unpack this tool, that there are some things that stand out to you that show you, man, I need this tool every day. I need to pick it up, pull it out of the toolbox every day of my life. And we kick it off in chapter 5, verse 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. You should pray. You should pray. You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. How many of you have suffered some hardships in your life? Yeah. I think all of us, if we're honest, we're like, we can think back to some times that were difficult. James says, hey, the tool you need, you should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. We get to do that the last few minutes. We get to worship God, and we get to, got to acknowledge who he is and thank him for what he's done in our lives. And James, James continues. He says, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. So James here, he's encouraging us. Hey, you're dealing with sickness, you're dealing with illness. You need to grab the elders of the church, the spiritual leaders of the church, and get them around you and pray over the situation and the sickness that you're dealing with. And when you do that, the, the prayer that is offered in faith, God says, we'll make you well. We'll make you well. And James continues. And he says, any of you, if, if any of you committed any sins, you will be Forgiven. Anybody commit any sins in here? Maybe. I'm raising my hand. You will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. James, he unpacks this, this idea, this power of prayer. He says, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. James is saying, hey, you need somebody in your life that is like ride or die. They're like, those are the people that, you can, that know the worst about you, they know the best about you, that you can confide in, that, you can come, that can come alongside you and help you build your faith, that can pray with you, that can, you can lean on in these moments when we have weaknesses, and we all have weaknesses. We need somebody in our lives, some people in our lives. That's why you hear us talk about J Group so much, because the relationships that you surround yourself have the ability to help you grow your faith. So James, in this text, he goes straight to the deep end of the pool, into the spiritual truth about prayer, and he emphasizes the power of prayer and the prayer that's offered in faith. You know, there really is power in prayer. We believe that. You're in a church. We believe in the power of prayer, that if you're suffering hardship, prayer can take you and carry you through. We believe that as a church. We believe that if you're struggling with sickness, that we can get together, the elders of the church, the spiritual leaders of the church, we can lay hands on you, we can pray for you, we can believe God that he can move in a supernatural way and heal your body. That's the church you're in today. Do you believe that God wants to move in your life in a powerful way? I believe that. I've seen God do some miraculous things in my life. Time and time again. Because we believe in the power of prayer. Why? Why? Because 
A faith-filled prayer goes beyond what only we can do and invites what only God can do. A faith-filled prayer goes beyond what only we can do, and it invites what only God can do. And I want to stir your faith today towards prayer because some of you, you've put it in the bottom of your toolbox. You've had experiences. You think to yourself, man, I've tried it, and I tell you what, I just, it just didn't work for me, and it just kind of sits there. But I, I, want to, I want to show you some missing pieces of your prayer and stir your faith towards this tool of prayer that everyone needs to build their faith. And then James continues. He says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful Results. I think sometimes we get hung up when we read scriptures like this. Because we see this word righteous person and we immediately disqualify ourselves. We think, man, I'm not righteous. I don't do the right thing all the time. Anybody want to say they do the right thing all the time? No. We have this picture of what righteousness is and we think that is not me. That's not who I am. We let ourselves think that God doesn't want to hear our prayers because we're not good enough. And can I tell you, you're right. You're not good enough. You're not righteous. No one's righteous. The Bible says not one of us is righteous. So how do we read a scripture like this that says righteous people get their prayers answered? And I'm not righteous. No one is righteous. It's kind of like a setup. It's like, God, you said the righteous people get their prayers answered, but you also say there's no one righteous. What does that look like? What does that mean? How do, I, how do I compute those contrasting ideas? Well, there's a very clear answer to that equation. Because there was one who was righteous. There was one who lived and died and gave his life on a cross, who lived a perfect life, a sinless life, and gave his life for you and I. Not, for, not, so, that, not so that he could just die on the cross, but that he could, his righteousness would get put on us. Jesus died so that his righteousness would get put on to you and I. So I don't come before God in my own righteousness because Lord knows I'd never see any of my prayers answered. I don't come to God with my own goodness. No, I I come before him with the knowledge that Jesus died for me. He put his sacrifice on the cross for me. He died for me so that his righteousness then gets put on my account. So I don't come in my own righteousness. I come boldly to the throne of God because I place my faith in Jesus. And now his righteousness, his goodness, God sees his righteousness on my life. So now I can look at this scripture a little bit differently. Now I don't have to look at that scripture and think, oh, that disqualifies me. Now I can look at that scripture and I can have faith to believe. That the prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces great 
results. Nobody is righteous on their own, but I am so grateful for God's grace in my life that covers all of my imperfections and makes me righteous before God. So don't discount your prayer. Don't be like, this doesn't apply to me because you don't come in your name because if you came in your name, it'd be worthless. But we, can't, we come in the name that is above every other name, and his name is Jesus. And James, he continues to write in verse 17, and he reminds us and the readers of an Old Testament story about a guy named Elijah. And I'm going to explain a little, in a little bit, so stay with me, about Elijah and who he was and what his role was. But in this story, James is trying to illustrate to you and I the power of prayer and the power of faith in our prayers. Because Prayer works when prayer is brought in faith. He goes on, Elijah was a human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. I think another reason that some of us don't pick up the tool of prayer in our life is because we don't think that we're spiritual enough. We think we don't know enough about the Bible. We don't know about, about all the, the intricacies of what the Bible says. And we think our prayers don't work and the tool of faith, a faith-filled prayer is left rolling around in the toolbox of our lives. And I want to just challenge you and, and stir your faith when it comes to this idea of praying in faith. Have you brought your faith into your prayers? I love what James writes here because he makes it really simple. He says, hey, everybody, listen to me. Listen up. Elijah. He was human as we are. He made mistakes like you and I make mistakes. He sinned like you and I sinned. He had imperfections. He lost his temper. He got mad. He got scared. He's human just like you and I. And that did not disqualify his prayers. He just took God at his word. And when he prayed, the rain stopped. And when he prayed again, the rain came. And maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what? I don't need a forecast change in the weather, but what I do need is God to move in my relationships. I do need God to move in my marriage. I do need God to move in this addiction that I struggle with. I do need God to help me at work. And I just want to encourage you this morning because if Elijah was human, just like you and I, and he prayed and God answered, maybe you who are human, just like Elijah, can pray and believe and see God move in a supernatural way in whatever situation or circumstance you're into this morning. Maybe if I cry out to God, he'll hear me and he'll answer my prayer. Can I tell you, God hears you when you pray. He hears you when you pray. That's why we talk about a slot and a spot, a time and a place all the time, a place where we get with God and we, we listen to God. We read his word. We, we get into his presence and we allow him to begin to mold and shape our life and shape our faith. We need to pray every single day. Now, there's a few more things in this story about Elijah that I want to unpack for you and I. 
that I think can help us build our faith. In fact, there's two things that stand out to me. And this story that James is referring to, it had actually happened and was recorded 800 years prior to when he writes in James. And he writes, it's written in the book of 1 Kings. And let me encourage you, if you're looking for a wild story in the Bible, go to Kings, all right? Like, like they should make movies about the books of Kings. It's, it's crazy. But Elijah, he was a prophet in the Old Testament. Now, what does that mean? The function of a prophet in the Old Testament would, would be to make known the word of God. God would speak to the prophet, and then they would share whatever God says. So Elijah, I'm going to paraphrase this story for the sake of time. Elijah, he, he hears from the Lord. He goes to the king of the time. The king's name was Ahab. And he says, hey, Ahab, I've heard from God. I've got a word. And, and here's the deal. It's not going to rain. It's not going to rain. And here's the number one thing I want you to catch in this story. That faith begins with hearing a word. Your faith begins with hearing a word from God. Elijah heard a word from the Lord and now his faith was attached to what God had said. It wasn't the word of the news. Like he didn't have a, a weather forecast. It was like, okay, I think there's not going to be rain in King Ahab. It wasn't Instagram, it wasn't Facebook, it wasn't a government leader, though some of us, I think, we live our lives as though our faith is in those things. Faith doesn't come from what anybody else has to say. I build my faith when I get a word from God, and I get a word from God when I open up the Bible and I ask God to speak to me through it. Here's why it's written in Romans. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God. This is why it's so important for you and I to be in the word every day. I can tell you that if you only ate once a week, your body would be pretty emaciated. How many of you know? I don't know. I'm definitely getting more than one meal a week. <laughs> but your body would definitely be emaciated. The same is true for your life spiritually. If you just come in here once a week, if you just tune in to the video uh, once a week, can I tell you, your faith won't grow. You're, you won't grow spiritually. You'll be spiritually emaciated. It's important for us to be in his word every single day. I got to have the word of God because I want faith-filled prayers. I need to hear what God says about my situation because my faith isn't what I think. My faith isn't what I feel. My faith is in what God has said, and my prayer life is built by faith. That's why when I, I walk in through rough times, I got I to know what the Bible says. I got I to be able to say, you know what? I know that he is a strong tower that I can run into for safety. God, today, I expect safety in my life because your word says that you're a strong tower and I can run into you. I can't go into prayer on what I feel because my feelings change from day to day. I need a word from God. Some days I got to say, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Because, Lord, I know I am not in the mood today. <laughs> Sometimes I got to go into meetings and God, say, God, I need more faith than I've ever had. God, I thank you today that you've been strengthening me today, not by my own strength, but by the strength of the Lord is in me today. I've got power. I've got courage. I've got faith today. And faith makes prayer work. You got to have a word from the Lord. You can't build your faith without a word 
from the Lord. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? Hearing the word. Hearing the word. So the story goes on in 1 Kings. And and now it's been three and a half years later. And God speaks to Elijah again. And he says, hey, I want you to go back to King Ahab. And I want you to tell him the drought is ending. It's been three years. Elijah goes to the king. He's like, I got a word. I heard from God. It's, it's going to rain. I can sense the storm clouds coming. And then he climbs, the Bible says, to the top of Mount Carmel. And he, he begins to pray and he begins to ask God to move. And it says that Elijah, he, he bowed down. He bowed down and he says he put his face between his knees and prayed face first before God. I find that interesting. I think there's something about our heart expressed in the physical that is powerful. When we say, God, I just need you. When we get down on our face, when we get down on our knees and say, God, I need you in this moment. I need you in my life. I need you to help me in this time of need. I need you to move, God. So here's this picture of what was happening. Elijah, he's at the top of Mount Carmel and Carmel, Carmel, Carmel. Thinking about ice cream. <laughs> Random thought. <laughs> Elijah, he's down on his knees and his assistant is with him. And Elijah's praying. And this is this faith-filled prayer because he's praying. He, he's looking for the rain to start coming. And he, he tells his assistant, hey, I want you to go out to the edge of the mountain. I want you to look out. And I want you to look to see if there are any rain clouds. So the servant goes out and he says, nothing. There's nothing. He comes back. There's nothing. He goes, okay, we're going to keep praying. He said, go again. Comes back. Nothing. Nothing. He says he does it seven times. In the seventh time, it says, he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. The size of a man's hand. And this is the second thing that I think we need to capture when it comes to building our faith-filled prayers. Faith builds when we determine not to give up. Think about that for a moment. It hadn't rained in three years. The sky was clear. The sky was blue. Not a cloud in the sky from the top of this mountain looking over the Mediterranean Sea. I'm sure the sky looked huge. And out in the distance, there was this little speck that looked like a cloud. The size of a man's hand. And the servant runs back and I mean, it must have just looked like a dot in the sky. And he says, hey, there is a rain cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah goes, okay, I'm good. God's begun to move. Some of us were waiting for God to finish the whole story. Some of us were, were sitting there and we're like, man, I can't go on the cloud of the size of a man's hand. And here's what I want you to notice, that Elijah... He didn't stop until he saw with his eyes what God had said he would do with his mouth. He was determined not to give up. When I was in college a few years ago, a few years ago, <laughs> I used to have this little S10 pickup truck. My mom had given it to me. And, I mean, it was, a, it was a beater truck, right? I don't remember. It was, it was mostly red. 
And I remember I was driving and I was on my way back to class uh, from lunch and I hit the brakes, man, and it sounded like the brakes exploded. Like the worst grinding noise that I had ever heard a vehicle make. I didn't know. I was like, okay, my car's done. This truck has been beat to death. So I pulled into the parking lot. And uh, I started to investigate. I took the front wheels off, got the jack out, took the front wheels off. And uh, I looked down at the front brakes of the car. And the, the brake pads had worn all the way through one side of the rotors. I wasn't really into car maintenance in college. Some of you can relate. Some of you still aren't into car maintenance. It's okay. And I was stranded in this moment. I had to take a friend to, go to help me get some parts because I knew, okay, I need new, new rotors, I need new pads. And uh, Man, I thought to myself, brakes. I mean, how hard could it be, right? I can figure this out. I don't think I'd ever done a brake job at that point in my life. I started disassembling everything, got the caliper and the pads off, and I went to, to get the rotor off, and I was like, man, this thing's not coming off, man. It was stuck. And for those of you who don't know what a rotor is, uh, I brought one with, he, with me. Um, thanks to Meineke across the street, they had a few of these laying around. It was stuck. And I thought, man, how am I going to get this off? I had borrowed some friend's toolbox. You know, I didn't have tools. I borrowed some friend's toolbox. And I had uh, borrowed everything I thought I needed. So I'm like, how am I going to get this off? So it was stuck. I was wiggling it as fast. I was shaking it back and forth. Wouldn't come off. Wouldn't come off. So I started to, when I was in college, Google was a new thing. So I'm like, okay, what does the intraweb say? <laughs> I start spraying WD-40 on it because WD men fixes everything, right? It didn't work. I went into my toolbox. I found an article online that said, you know what? If you tap it with a hammer, maybe it'll come off. It should come off. Just tap it with a hammer. So I looked into my borrowed toolbox, and I found a hammer. It looked about like this. Why do they even make these? <laughs> Let me tell you, if you got one of these at home and you need a hammer, come see me after the gathering. We'll take up an offering. I don't know. We'll do something. So I had this thing and I started hammering on this rotor. And this little thing wasn't doing nothing. Like, I'm getting rid of that. I'm going to find a real hammer. So I called around. I found a bigger hammer. I'm like, okay, I found a bigger hammer. There we go. This one's been used. This is my hammer. And I started hitting this thing. Nothing. Nothing. It wouldn't budge. I was getting frustrated. Man, I was angry. I'm like, man, I'm doing everything that I know to do. It said, hit the thing with a hammer. I got a small hammer. I got a big hammer. What is going on? I don't know what is going on. I was mad. I was angry. I was frustrated, but I was determined. I was like, I need a car. And that car needs brakes. <laughs> so I called up my buddy. I said, we're going to go to Home Depot. And I'm going to buy the biggest stinking hammer that I can buy. 
And I'm like, I am going to get this rotor off this truck, y'all. I took one swing, boom, thing fell right off. The truck shook for a few hours. But I got the rotor off. I was determined. I was glad in the moment that I didn't call it quits, that I didn't let frustration get the best of me, that I didn't get, let doubt get the best of me in that moment. And here's what I want you to catch from this, because I think some of us, we stop at the sixth prayer. Elijah, in this moment, he's praying. I can only imagine being his assistant. He's going back and forth. He's like, I'm like, Elijah, come on, man. It's like five times now. There ain't no rain coming. Let's go. We prayed and nothing's happening. I haven't seen a cloud. Some of us are like, God, I prayed one time. And, and, and remember that one time when, when I, I needed you and you haven't done anything? Remember that one time when I came to 21 days of prayer and I filled out my prayer card? Man, I'm still waiting for that prayer to be answered. And Elijah goes, keep going back. Keep going back. Look again. Look again. Can I tell you, I want to stir your faith this morning because some of you, you've quit praying for your children. You've quit praying for your marriage. You look at your situation at work and you've just given up. And I want to encourage you, look again. Go back and pray again. Get on your knees again. Say it again. Believe again. Fast again. Hammer it at it again. Get sledgehammer faith in your circumstance. Don't give up. Look again. Ask God again. Stand on his word again because the Bible says that as Elijah gave his prayer in faith that the sky grew dark. Elijah was coming off the mountain. I'm just seeing a cloud. Hadn't started raining yet. He just saw a cloud. Some of you, you're waiting for a downpour from God. You're waiting for the, the fullness of your miracle. And God, Elijah says, I just saw a cloud and I was ready to go. I just believed God. And then it said the winds rose, the heavy rains came. But it started with a cloud. Can I tell you, great faith faith breaks through the natural into the supernatural. It's faith that can move you from, man, I can do this on my own. I can figure this out. I can, I can figure this out if I just work a little bit harder, if I just do what I think I need to do a little bit harder, if I just act better, if I just, man, you can't figure it out. You need faith. Faith so that God can do what only God can do. Why? Because Faith-filled prayers go beyond what only we can do and invites what only God can do. It moves you beyond the natural into the supernatural. It's why the book of Matthew says that with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Your situation isn't excluded. Your marriage isn't too far gone. Your relationship isn't too broken. You won't be able to figure it out on your own. You won't be able to figure it out in your strength. We serve a supernatural God. We serve a supernatural God. That where we don't see, He knows.
And he's waiting for us to infuse our prayers with faith. And maybe you're here and you've been trying to figure it out on your own. You've been trying to go your own way. Maybe that's why you're here, because those things haven't worked for you. You feel stuck. You feel like you're on the side of the road like I did back in college. Like, man, what do I do in this moment? Where do I go from here? The Bible teaches us that God can make a way where there is no way. That 2,000 years ago, he actually paid our way. When he died on the cross for our sins. When he said, you know what? I'm going to die. I'm going to lay down my life so that you can be righteous before God. The Bible says that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Maybe you're here and you're trying to find your way. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to point you to Jesus. A relationship with Jesus. What does that do for us? It opens up. This relationship, this access that we have with God so that when we pray, we can have faith and believe that the prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces great results. If you want that relationship today, that's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to pray with me. You can pray with me out loud. You can pray with me under your breath. But I want you to make Jesus the Lord of your life today and watch what he wants to do. Let's turn our hearts towards God together and let's pray. Father, today, I thank you. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your forgiveness. Today, I put my faith in you. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. I ask you to come into my life, change me, mold me into the person that you've created me to be, forgive me my sins. And help me to live the life that you've called me to. In your name. With no one looking around, if you put your faith in Jesus this morning, would you just lift your hand? Just lift it up real quick. Yeah, see those hands? I see those hands. see those hands. see those hands. It's incredible. Journey, would you celebrate with me the people who put their faith in Jesus today? Come on. Now, we're going to close the gathering out a little bit different today. Here's what I know. There are some of you in the room right now, and you need God to move in your life in a supernatural way. You need him to do a miracle. You need sledgehammer faith. You've been hammering at it on your own for a long time, and it seems like it just won't budge and won't move. And you need sledgehammer faith. Can I tell you, the only thing better than having sledgehammer faith is having a family of people that have sledgehammer faith. And that's what you've got today. You've got some people in this room that want to believe with you. We've got members of our prayer team. They're going to be at these tables in the front and the back of the room. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Today, if you've got something, you've got a need, you've got a prayer request that you need, I want to encourage you. We're going to go into a time of worship here in just a moment. And I want to encourage you. Step out from wherever you are. Make your way to one of these places in the room. We have some people that want to come alongside you 
and want to believe with you and want to believe for God to do what only he can do, and that's work in the supernatural. So would you stand with me? We're going to go into a time of worship here, and this is, if you're in the room and you don't have a need, this is what I want you to do. I want you to worship with us, and I want you to pray for the people who are up front and in the back of the room that have needs and be believing alongside us. We're going to get together. We're going to pray together. We're going to believe for God to do the miraculous. We're going to believe for God to do what only he can do. So let's worship together.